Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? We dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports on a global scale. Glad you could join us this week. We're celebrating our 10th year on the air throughout 2014, so thanks for listening for the past 10 years. It's been a great ride so far. Terrific show planned for you this week. Tiki Barber from CBS Sports Radio, the former running back for the New York Giants, all-time leading rusher for the New York Giants. He's also the co-founder of an interesting company called Thusio. They're basically the stub hub of booking athletes. You'll learn more about what they're doing, why it's unique. I think it's a great idea. We'll talk to Tiki Barber on our show today. Also, Rick Buecher covers the NBA for the Bleacher Report. You've seen him doing sideline reporting for TNT. Just happens to be my business partner as well with Everything is on the Record. And our recent event, the Sports PR Summit. We'll talk Sports PR Summit, recap some of the stuff that happened there. We'll also talk about the latest NBA news, including the sale of the Los Angeles Clippers for $2 billion from the Sterling family to former Microsoft CEO Steve Ballmer. That's all coming up on our show today. You can visit my sports business blog, download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. I'm joined, as always, by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? Doing great this morning and uh, happy that it's almost summer and the weather's getting better here in Portland where we are. And uh, I can't complain. NBA Finals, NHL Finals, it's good. Yeah, it's good stuff. This is a good time of year, and uh, I'm fresh back from New York from the Sports PR Summit at the MLB Fan Cave, another terrific event. We grew from half day to a full day, and, you know, Griggs, one of the reasons we started this event was to try and better the industry and, and the relationship between PR people and reporters and just so PR executives at the senior level could network with each other more and you know, I'm blown away by the people that come to the event. Mike Bass, who just ran point on all of the PR for the NBA and the Clippers mess with Donald Sterling was there. Uh, John Wartime from Sports Illustrated. He's their executive editor. Mary Byrne, the executive editor of sports for USA Today. Uh, people from all the leagues, top brands. It really blew me away, and I, I was just humbled to be in everyone's presence. Yeah, it's such a great – It's First of all, great venue, great city, and, uh, you know, big-time names this year. And it, it's there's no event like it. I mean, nobody else is doing this because, you know, they'll have events with one or two of these guys. But when you put them all in the same room and you can hear them talk and, and tell their, their stories and what they're working on and how they do what they do, it's it's phenomenal. It's a great event. Looking forward to next May for uh, round three. Yeah, no kidding. We're going to do it next May. We'll be back at the MLB Fan Cave. What a great, unique venue. They actually did a ton of updates from our event last year to this year because uh, they host an MTV show called Off the Bat at the MLB Fan Cave, which, by the way, is a great show if you haven't checked it out. Really uh, humanizes the baseball players as they're coming through New York. Think of the MLB Fan Cave as this super interactive venue, but 
it's kind of like the Today Show set or Good Morning America. You've got the windows. As we were like doing interviews and panel discussions, Greg, people are like looking in the windows. Uh, you feel like you're in this fishbowl. And then Pastano, our presenting sponsor, did these amazing displays that uh, – really focused and highlighted our, our digital conversations, our social media conversations. So kudos to them. At one point, Griggs, during the day, the hashtag sports PR summit was trending nationally. I don't think I've ever been a part of anything trending before on Twitter. And this was good news. This wasn't a crisis. So that's always helpful. <laughs> yeah, that's always good when you're trending for a good thing. <laughs> Definitely. So that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So sportsprsummit.com is the way people can uh, learn more about our event. And uh, like we said, we'll be doing it again next May at the MLB Fan Cave. Griggs, uh, like you said, Stanley Cup finals and the NBA finals getting underway. Who do you like in uh, both of those series? Well, I think uh, I think the L.A. is going to take the NHL. Um, had a great game one. That was fun last night watching that one uh, when I was enjoying that and i think they'll take it probably in six games or so and again uh san antonio i think they're just the team i think they've got miami uh this year in six is my prediction and that is if tony parker is healthy the whole series because if they don't have him every game that could change that's my opinion on that one yeah it's interesting with the stanley cup finals you've got the two biggest media markets la and new york so you would think it's a recipe for good ratings for these games. And then, you know, also some really interesting human stories on both sides, uh, you know, with New York and with L.A. And then the Kings have just been unbelievably resilient. They were down three games to none in round one to San Jose. They come back and win that series in seven. They've won three game sevens on their way to the Stanley Cup finals. And they yep. just look like this team of, of destiny, but uh, I expect that's going to be a good series. I, I agree with you. I think the Kings come out on top. Uh, for my NBA prediction, you'll have to wait until later in the show for my conversation with Rick Buecher. We'll, I'll tell you uh, who I think is going to win the NBA Finals. But, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. And then, you know, we've got the U.S. Open coming up, Griggs, and no Tiger Woods. Phil Mickelson going through some off-the-course distractions uh, with – potential inside trading allegations against him. And they're just allegations at this point, and he's been very cooperative. But certainly that's got to weigh heavy on your mind as you're teeing it up for the U.S. Open. So probably not the ideal situation for golf. But this is something we've talked about before on this show, Griggs, is you know I don't think you can depend on Tiger Woods anymore. I don't know how much longer you can depend on Phil Mickelson. Golf is going to have to figure out how to survive without those two iconic draws for them over the past 20 years. Yeah, it's very true. It's definitely a changing atmosphere in the golf world because, uh, I, I, like you said, I think both those guys are definitely not going to be winning majors every single weekend, uh, like some of these new players are, are, you know, moving up. And I think Bubba Watson, he's had a great year. I mean, he's been top of the, top of the ranks in almost every tournament. So I think that's one that could be, uh, a replaced, uh, you know, replacing a Tiger and a Phil. And he's such a likable guy and so cool with the media too that, uh, he would be a fun one. I enjoy watching him every weekend. What do you think about uh, Rory McIlroy dumping Caroline Wozniak, the tennis player, and then he goes out and wins his next event? That's uh, I, I thought, and then she posts an avatar on Twitter of her stirring a, a witchly looking brew, which also caused some uh, hubbub on on Twitter. So, you know, Rory McIlroy was really tabbed as the next guy, the next Tiger Woods. In his young 20s, Nike signed him to the big deal, but he hasn't lived up to that contract. And he certainly has gone downhill uh, in the last year. So can he emerge at the U.S. Open? And 
you know, can he win some majors this year? That's going to be something I'll be keeping my eye on. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think everybody was kind of excited for him to take it after he came out of the shoot on fire. Then Nike signed him. He kind of, he's kind of been in the back, back burn the last uh, year or so. But, you know, he's obviously a great golfer, great swing. And maybe uh, the girlfriend was the problem. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, coming up in future shows, I know World Cup is coming up in Brazil. We'll be talking a little bit about that. I know uh, some of our global listeners want more football, more soccer talk as we uh, head into the World Cup. So we definitely haven't forgotten about World Cup. But this week, again, Tiki Barber, uh, really uh, an amazing running back in his day with the New York Giants. We'll talk to him about uh, everything from his company, Fusio, that he co-founded to concussions in the NFL to also what does he think about Colin Kaepernick's big deal with the 49ers that he signed this week and then Rick Buecher from the Bleacher Report will talk some NBA with him lots of NBA news including the LA Clippers being sold for two billion dollars that's like uh in uh what's the where he goes one million dollars Austin Powers Austin Powers (laughs) yeah so two billion dollars it was sold but, I mean, look, the last thing I'll say about this, if you're the NBA, Griggs, this couldn't have turned out any better. You get rid of your worst owner, and you turn that into Steve Ballmer, who is going to be a fantastic owner, and he drives up franchise values for all the other teams by paying $2 billion for the Clippers. So if you're every other owner in the league, you're like, hey, my franchise just got uh, more value. But it's like living in a neighborhood where a house on the street just sold for an incredible sum of money. Now everyone else in the neighborhood sees their house values rise as well. So it's a great thing for the NBA and for the team owners in the NBA. Yeah, and this whole thing couldn't have gone better. I mean, Adam Silver's first thing out of the shoot, and it it went pretty much flawlessly so far, and it's been awesome for the NBA. And I think pretty much fans around the world are are glad that uh, this is happening the way it is. And I think it's going to be good for the Clippers too, and who knows, you know, maybe – Maybe they'll get an arena in L.A. Maybe they'll, you know, be able to get out of the Staples Center. Who knows? I mean, I think there's going to be some good things on board for the Clippers and the NBA as a whole. Yeah, we'll touch on those topics with Rick Buecher later in the show. So coming up next, Tiki Barber, the New York Giants' all-time leading rusher. We'll talk some NFL with him. We'll also talk to him about his company that he co-founded, Thuzio. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SBRadio. I don't want to know if you're getting ahead of the program. I want you to be Hi, it's Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I team with nationally known sports writer and broadcaster Rick Buecher, former Nike PR senior executive Lee Weinstein, and veteran strategic communications executive John Lashway to form media and social media training firm Everything is on the Record. The Everything is on the Record team provides a unique blend of strategic PR and journalism expertise to our clients. We have worked in the trenches in corporate boardrooms with CEOs and company spokespeople. We've also worked in newsrooms alongside editors and reporters. Everything is on the Record uses an innovative and unique approach to media training. Through the use of current media and social media examples tailored specifically for you, we prepare you for how best to relate to the digital media world that exists today. Whether you're meeting with a reporter, sitting at your home computer, or typing on your smartphone, you're on the record. We'll also put you through real-life scenarios 
where you'd be dealing with a reporter, so when you see the real thing, you'll be well-prepared and comfortable. With the goal of enhancing your image, protecting your reputation, and helping you connect with the people who are most important to your brand, we will show you how to develop the skills you need to be successful in a world where everyone has a camera, a recorder, and a desire to make news. For more information on our services and to learn more about our team of communications all-stars, go online to everythingisontherecord.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. You can call us today at 503-701-2215. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. My guest is Tiki Barber. He's a former running back in the NFL, New York Giants all-time leading rusher. You can hear him on CBS Sports Radio. You can follow him on Twitter at Tiki Barber. Tiki, how are you? I am fantastic. Yourself? I'm doing really well. Thanks for making the time to join us on Sports Business Radio. You're involved in a very interesting sports business venture called Thusio. And the company was founded in 2012. It now hosts more than 2,000 athletes on an online platform with transparent pricing. You can do everything from book you for a golf outing or a corporate speaking engagement to I saw recently where some guys were booked out for a bar mitzvah. Talk to us about <laughs> Thusio. Yeah, you know, I founded Thusio with Mark Gerson, who interestingly I knew secondarily because I went to college with his brother uh, in 2012, as you mentioned, because we saw this marketplace that was disaggregated and confusing and, and not easy to navigate, both from the client side and also from the talent side. And so we we took what was simple experiences, flag football, a, a, a corporate speaking engagement, a lunch, a dinner, things that could easily happen, and put them in an e-commerce environment where we know people like to shop these days. Uh, and, and mostly they like to compare. They like to have pricing uh, up front. And, and we were able to take a market that's been around forever. It's, since there's been people who have been achieving and, and fans who've wanted to engage with them and put it into an e-commerce marketplace that people have really gravitated to. Over the last five or six months or so, we've really started to focus on our B2B market um, because that's where we see a lot of growth happening. Uh, corporations do events constantly. They're constantly trying to attract clients. They're constantly uh, trying to reward their employees. And those who are sports fans would love to have an opportunity to interact with some of our stars. And as you mentioned, we're up over 2,000 now. We'll keep growing and, 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 and expand into different categories like music or, or arts or, or, or authors or, or anyone who, like I said before, has fans that want to engage with them. The other thing that's interesting to me about your model is that you've now expanded into agencies like Drew, How- Drew Rosenhaus's uh, agency. So, you know, if you can do that, you're only making your roster of athletes bigger, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, here's the, here's the thing. We, we're an asset. We're not an agent. A lot of people like to look at Duzio as an agency, but we're not really an agent. We're just a marketplace that enables the transaction. And so, and so agents like Drew Rosenhaus, who you mentioned, See, it as, see us as a resource. Uh, you know, they could get on. They could get on a plane or get in the car and drive out to their clients and 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 pound the pavement at the corporate uh, customers that are in each of their each of their talents markets. But that's inefficient. Um, and and they would run themselves ragged trying to do that. And they honestly wouldn't have enough time to service all of their clients. What we do because we're so out front with our corporate clients, we provide those opportunities for agents. So we become a resource. So in, instead of being 
what some people would view as a competitor to an agent were actually a great complement to what they're trying to do when they service their talent. So I'm on your page right now at Thuzio.com, and it looks like if I want to play a round of golf with you, it's going to cost me two grand, flag football two grand, an appearance $5,000. But you've got everything ranging from recording a video message to sending a tweet for someone to making an appearance. How did you come up with this price scale? You know, I'd say it's a great question, and it was one of the hardest things that we did because market forces had never been applied to this marketplace, right? We didn't know how much it would cost to have someone come speak at an event or go to lunch or dinner. Supply and demand was never understood. It was usually just a negotiation, and if you were John negotiating with an agent, it was one thing. If you were John from J.P. Morgan, it was 10x times that one thing. And so what we had to do, and I was actually the guinea pig early on, was try to figure out – what people would be willing to pay uh, to go to lunch. Um, you go to lunch every day, right? You, you know, someone's willing to engage with you and, and, and pay for it. Uh, what would that number be? And so it took a lot of trial and error. And I think over the last couple of years, we've actually become, uh, you know, we, we developed a pretty good expertise in understanding what sells and at what price point uh, things will sell out. And we advise our talent uh, as to what we we think they should charge. Now, at the end of the day, they can charge whatever they want because it is their marketplace. It's their, you know, in essence, personal page, personal uh, a place to sell their experiences. But we advise because we kind of think we know what people want to pay for those for those different uh, types of uh, experiences they can have with our talent. You did an event at the Super Bowl with Ernst and Young. You had football legends Joe Montana, Dan Marino, Victor Cruz, Phil Simms. Others there, if you're looking at someone like a Joe Montana, what's he going to cost for, let's say, an appearance? Yeah, the number's high. It's upwards, upwards of $60,000, and Dan Marino is the same because they are the, the elite A-listers who um, have have so much demand on their time. Because I mean, if you want to think about it and break it down, what we're actually trading is free time and, and, and what an athlete wants to give access to or who he wants to give access to, and there's a price for that. Uh, so what we've what we've tried to do is 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 put it in a in a sphere where the athlete is comfortable, and then our client feels like they're getting the best deal that they can get, and that encourages booking. There is no negotiating. There is no well, how about this if it's three hours, or how about this if it's only an hour and a half. There's none of that. It's it's very straightforward and and out there so that you can make an, a decision, a purchasing decision, which is extremely important when you're dealing with a corporate a client who has budgetary restrictions or uh, fiduciary responsibilities to either the government or the, or, or, or internally um, uh, to make sure that they don't go um, askew. And so so it, it's, it, we've, we've really thought out how this market can be efficient as opposed to let's just get think, get two guys together or get a, a client and, a, and an athlete together. We've thought about what's important both to our talent and what's important to our customers, whether it be an individual or a corporation. All right. Spanning your entire career, even back to your playing days, what's yeah. the craziest appearance that you've had to make? You, you know, I haven't had a bunch of crazy ones. I think I think the hardest one was one of the flag football games that we cre- we, we created. You know, because think about this, and Mark, my co-founder, Mark Gerson, uh, says this all the time. Before Fusio, you, if you Googled flag football with Tiki Barber, you would not get a result. But when once we created Thuzio, that became a Google. I don't know if that's even a word. A Googleable um, <laughs> experience. You know what I mean? And a so searchable we experience. Created things exactly searchable. Well, Google has become like that. You know that. Right. I got you. The word search. 
at this point. But now you can find different experiences that before didn't exist. So one of the hardest ones I did is a flag football game, and I thought it was for kids. You know, the, the couple that I've done before, they've been for 12-year-olds, 10-year-olds, you know, running around the field, having a little fun. This one I got booked for was for, like, 30-year-olds. And these guys, <laughs> so I show up at the house, and, and you know, it was over in Queens, and this, this mother had bought it for her son, who was 19 years old, and uh, the son's father. So it was father and son. We're going to play football. But I'm looking around, like, all right, where are we going to play? We're going to play in the street. We got some friends coming over. But, you know, we're going out to this field. Uh, and it was, like, a high school stadium. I get out of the car, they're putting on their cleats, and these guys are like strapped up and taped up like they're going to play a game. I'm like, all right, hold on. I don't know if I'm ready for this. But, you know, I'd been retired at that point for six years, seven years. And my body hurt as bad as it's ever hurt because I just wasn't expecting it. Um, so, so those type of things happen, but, you know, we're, we're, we're all game for it. Uh, you know, Tim Hardaway does pick up basketball games. The same thing has happened to him where he gets a baller who knows how to shoot, knows how to guard. Uh, that, that makes it really challenging. That's, that's fun. That's very funny. Uh, let me ask you this. This seems like something that you would eventually be able to expand to verticals that include music, chefs, entertainment. Do you see growing this to that point or are you going to stick with sports? Absolutely, we're going there. We, we we thought about that from day one, but we went with what was organic to me, which is obviously sports. And uh, we we built our roster as as robustly as we can, and we're still growing each and every day. And as we we develop that expertise that I alluded to earlier, now we feel like we feel comfortable to get into these other different uh, marketplaces. We we did Broadway right away. Uh, you know, unfortunately for Broadway, it's it's really it's really. Um, uh, pertinent in New York. It doesn't, it doesn't expand to, you know, Chicago or LA as, as, as easily, but we've started to get into music. Now we started to onboard some, some musicians, which is a complicated transaction to, uh, to, to negotiate because there's so many different touch points. Is it the agent? Is it the manager? Is it the business manager? Is it the agent? I mean, is it the lawyer? You know, who is it? The, is it the studio? Who are we actually talking to? Um, so as we start to grow and understand these industries better, uh, because they aren't as organic to to me as a founder, um, uh, because I didn't I, I wasn't a musician. We'll, we'll 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 learn to understand how to engage that talent with the client. Um, but we're absolutely going there. We know that it can it can not only be in all these different verticals that you mentioned, authors and chefs and musicians and actors. It can also be international uh, because the opportunities for soccer players or cricket players or or, or whatever type of player around the world also exists and. And that's one of our goals, um, you know, hopefully in a not too far distant uh, future. Well, I'll tell you what, if you ever get Idina Menzel from the movie Frozen and from Broadway, <laughs> uh, my daughter will be giving you a call to see if uh, we can get her over for for a party. You know what? We would love that. And in fact, we could probably try to make it happen, even though she's not on our site yet. Because that's, you know, that's what we do. It's, it's, it's another side of our business is as a customer service. If we get a custom request or someone who's not on our site, we still have enough relationships that we can go out and try to get that person. And then it gives us the impetus to, to bring them on to our site. Say, look, we can expand opportunities for you and build a profile and, and, and hopefully open up uh, your your client base much broader than it already is. What about retired guys like yourself? Uh, in you know, you're still out there. You're on CBS Radio. You're you're out there in the yep. public light. There are other guys who don't really work with their agents anymore. They kind of disappear into the sunset. How did they get in touch with you to say, "Hey, I'd be willing to be one of the athletes on your platform"? 
Yeah, you know, that's that's actually how we started. And when Mark and I first sat down and we're having a cigar at Club Macanudo and we're talking about the problems of, of retired athletes, that was it. It's like you have a brand, you've spent a decade or more probably, multiple decades perfecting this, this talent and building your brand, and then all of a sudden, because it, it happens literally in, a, in an instant, you can't monetize it anymore because the Giants or the Knicks or the Rangers or whoever it may be and whatever sport it may may, may, may encompass – isn't paying you anymore. So your brand becomes, uh, it, it goes almost to zero unless, unless you have a marketplace where you can offer your, your experiences either through stories that you tell and enlighten people or, or coaching experiences or, or whatever it may be. Um, that's how we started. Um, it was challenging because we thought it would be easy to find talent, right? Just call up the team or call up a friend and say, Hey, how did you get in touch with XYZ guy? But, but it was very difficult. Um, but over time, once we built a critical mass, it, it, it started kind of fulfilling itself. They would hear about us through a friend, or they'd hear about us through an event, and all of a sudden we'd get inbounds. And in fact, I think the, the, the most surprising or really kind of the coolest one that we got was Bill Buckner, obviously, of, of, of Boston Red Sox infamy slash fame. Um, he, he, he contacted us and said, look, I, I can do this, and I would love to do this in my, my local environment. Can, you, can we get a, a, a profile put up for me? So retired guys see this as an unbelievable way to continue to monetize their brand downstream, whether they're working in a relevant industry now or just sitting on a hammock and doing nothing. Tiki Barber is joining us here on Sports Business Radio, New York Giants all-time leading rusher, co-founder of the company Thusio. You can find them online at Thusio.com. Let's talk a little NFL. I know you guys have been talking a lot on your show on CBS Sports Radio about the whole NFL concussion issue. We've seen recently yeah. where Dan Marino was in on the lawsuit. Now he's out on the lawsuit. It's something that's made big news. You know, the NFL kind of waved the flag and said, hey, $750 million we're paying out to retired players. Now the players are resuing the NFL. This is an ugly issue for the NFL, but as a retired player and someone who, you know, played a, a very physical position in the NFL running back. First, how's your body feeling post career? And second, what do you make of all the conversation that's going on right now about this? Well, this is a very, very complicated issue, Brian. I'm, I'm glad you bring it up. But, you know, to, to answer your last question, I, I'm fine. I only got a couple concussions or I only had a couple concussions when I was playing, and, and I don't think I'll have long-term uh, repercussions from them. But that being said, you see the Dan Marino issue, and it, that was somewhat political because he's, he's, I believe, in the running for some position within the Miami Dolphins. Right. It would be a detrimental if he was part of a, uh, a lawsuit uh, against, essentially, uh, one, of his, one, of his, uh, one, one of the owners, uh, which is Steve Ross down in, down in Miami, who's part of the collective NFL, obviously. Uh, so that so that's why that came and came and went and it created some controversy, but it it it, it kind of masked the bigger problem. So think about this, Brian. Eight years ago, when I retired, and it seems like it was yesterday, but eight years ago, in my uh, I think it was probably my twelfth or thirteenth game of the season, we played the Dallas Cowboys. And interesting, it was the game that Tony Romo became the starting quarterback because they benched Drew Bledsoe at halftime. But in that game, I got a concussion. I got knocked out cold. Um, uh, right before halftime, um, Drew Bledsoe threw an interception two, three plays later, and I was right back in the game. So eight years ago, and it's not that long ago, there wasn't a protocol, right? There wasn't a, a mechanism to, 
protect players uh, from from the long term damage of concussions. It was just accepted that if you felt okay and you could you know count to ten and you knew what day it was and you knew what down it was, you knew what city you were in, you could go back and play. Uh, and here we are, fast forward. If that happens even to a, a, a an eighth of a degree, what I had, you get sent into a locker room. We have to take a, a test. Where you where you have to turn a, a concussion protocol, and if you can't pass it, then you don't come back in again. Usually, you probably won't get, get a chance to come back in the game anyway. So the NFL is doing all that they can to try to prevent long term damage to athletes and protect themselves from them or protect them from themselves. Because it, it just in that just like in that Dallas game eight years ago, I wanted to go back in. I didn't want to you know sit on the bench for the for the next thirty minutes and and have our team lose. I wanted to contribute. Uh, and that, that's the challenge from an athlete's perspective that you have to fight against. Uh, second, and thirdly, the, the concussion issue as it pertains to these lawsuits is a serious one. And it, it threatens the, uh, the NFL in an existential way. Because if at some point, um, I don't know what the number may be, 10%, 5%, whatever it is, if that many players are either severely, severely disabled or Committing suicide, as we saw with Dave Dewerson, as we saw with Junior Seau, uh, at a at a premature age and before they hit, uh, you know, in an old age, then parents probably aren't going to let their kids play the sport. And then we have a recruitment problem, and they start playing lacrosse, and they start, you know, playing baseball and all these other sports, and the, and the league gets sapped of talent, uh, and the game ends up having to change. And then it maybe not is as popular as it is right now as, as, a, as a $10 billion business. So it's so complex, and there's so many layers to it. But I think the NFL is doing all they can to address it. I think education matters for young kids, if you get a concussion when you're eight years old, you need to tell somebody. You don't need to be tough and suck it up and rub dirt on it and go back in the game. You have to be aware of the of the damage uh, that can happen to you long term. And the only way that's going to come come forward is if the NFL is a leader, and then parents and coaches and everyone else down the line is continuing to inform these kids that they continue to play the sport. A few months ago, Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, made some comments about. The NFL declining over the next decade. I've got to tell you, a lot of people gave him heat for that. I don't yep. completely disagree with his reasoning on it, whether it's, uh, you know, oversaturation, games on almost every night, or whether it's the health and safety issue of the players. I could see where the sport, which is at such a, a high pinnacle right now, I could see where it could take a few steps backwards. Do you see that happening or do you think there's well, such a juggernaut that they're, they're just going to keep growing? Well, it is a juggernaut and it is man up mentality here. I mean, I, I remember this, you know, happening many times. You're at practice, someone literally, you know, tears an ACL, is down on the ground writhing in pain. Actually, probably not in pain because if you tear an ACL, the nerves are done, but you know what I mean? They're just writhing. It's like, oh my God, my career, oh, I'm done. The coach says, "All right, let's move the drill. Right, let's let's go to the other end of the field. Let's let's you know keep practicing. Right. Let that guy figure out with the doctors what needs to be done, and you know we'll worry about it later. That's how the NFL is. It's it's just it's always been that way. It's a game of attrition, and whether it's by want to weed you out or injury weed you out, you just go on to the next thing. Now that being said, if the NFL starts putting games on Tuesdays and Thursdays." Uh, even though they are, they are doing that already, but now Fridays and Saturdays, and you get your stars, right? Say your quarterback gets banged up a little bit, or Larry Fitzgerald, or um, you know Megatron gets banged up on a Sunday and then has to play again on a Thursday or a Friday, and he can't 
because he's injured. Now the product, the, the entire product of the league is diluted. That's when you start worrying about uh, the saturation of, of games and, 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 and successive days hurting the brand of the NFL. If that doesn't happen, then it's kind of, all right, next man up, you know, next man up type of thing. But it is something, uh, it is something to worry about. There also is this uh, concept of, of, of how we used to watch games, right? It used to be a, a, a gathering. I just get together. It's going to be family. It's going to be friends. When I come over on Saturday or Sunday, we're going to, you know, pop some beers. We're going to make some popcorn, cook some burgers, and we're going to watch the game, right? And in a lot of ways, that started to go away. Hey, you, you now watch games um, on, on your iPad, or you, you, you catch it on the, the highlights on the stats because you're worried about fantasy football more so than you're worried about the excitement of your team. Now, that also could, 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 could cause some um, uh, desaturation of the game, and, and that is dangerous. Um, but, I, but I think the NFL has a handle on it. I don't think it'll ever get to that point because they realize the golden goose is, is, is special. And if they curate it the right way, then it'll keep bringing in billions of dollars, literally billions of dollars that is beneficial not only to the owners, the teams, their cities, uh, but the players as well. Just a few minutes left with Tiki Barber, the all-time leading rusher for the New York Giants. You can hear him on CBS Sports Radio. You can follow him on Twitter at Tiki Barber. Tiki, uh, Colin Kaepernick reportedly has signed a big contract, $110 million, $61 million guaranteed with the Niners. Look, I'm a guy, I've always said on this show, I think NFL players deserve as much guaranteed money as they can get because of the short lifespan of the NFL player as far as the career goes. So God bless Colin Kaepernick for getting $61 million guaranteed if that report is true. And if you're Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, you've got to be salivating at, hey, what's my money going to look like when my deal comes up? Did you think it was a good move by the Niners investing that much in a guy who has not won a Super Bowl ring yet? You know what? I thought it was a phenomenal deal, and, and here's why. Because a lot of that guaranteed money is conditional. It is, are you on the roster at this point the subsequent year? Uh, and then you get a, then you get your bonus again. His signing bonus was only 12 million. It wasn't, you know, 60 million. It's prorated over three or four years. It was 12 million with a base salary of, I think it was like 600 and something thousand dollars. He has another hundred thousand dollar roster bonus. So his salary in year one is 12.75 million dollars. Uh, he essentially has to earn it the next year, meaning perform well, stay healthy, uh, show advancement as a quarterback, as a pocket passer. We know he's already very exciting as a runner. Uh, you know, and we've seen that many times. Can he develop into what ultimately becomes a elite quarterback in the NFL, which is standing in the pocket and reading defense? He has to prove that year over year. I think it's phenomenal for Cowan because it gives uh, the 49ers the ability to put players around him. We know that they're aging a little bit. Anquan Bold, one of his big uh, target wide receivers, has been in the league for 12 years. You know, how much more does he have in his tank? Frank Gore, who was their all-pro running back uh, for so many years, you know, he's, he's at year 10. You know, how many years does he have left in his tank? So you have to replace him. The concept of replaceability is only doable if you have workable contracts from your biggest asset. And in every major team that has one of these $100 million quarterbacks, the biggest asset is the quarterback. And if you tie too much up into him, a la Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens, you're stuck trying to bring in those other assets to surround him. And so this works for both both parties here. Colin Kaepernick wants to prove it. He wants to earn it. He said so. Uh, and if he does it year over year, he's going to make a lot of money. I mean, upwards of $125 million, $126 million is the total 
uh, 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 price of the deal with incentives. So he can do that, but also give the 49ers some leeway to build around him as, as some of the older guys age out and they have to bring in some new young talent to complement their biggest, their biggest asset, who is, which is Colin Kaepernick. And like I said, if you're Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, you love this oh, you're signing, salivating. right? Yeah. Oh, you're salivating. If you're Russell Wilson, you're salivating. <laughs> yes, I'm not, I'm not prototypical. You know, I'm not 6'4. You know, I don't stand in the pocket, but, but you know what? I win. I win Super Bowls, and that's all that matters. And at the end of the day, the NFL is a bottom line business. If you can get it done, regardless of the deficiencies that people say you have, you deserve to be compensated for it, and Russell Wilson will be that way. And Cam Newton is absolutely no different. He took so many great steps last year maturing and, and realizing that I don't have to be the guy that throws for 450 yards and, and also rush for two touchdowns in order for my team to win. I need to defer and be smart. Uh, and, and he is, is actually really uh, far ahead of the curve in developing to that pocket passer. That's who Colin Kaepernick should em- try to emulate. Do what Cam Newton has started to do in his, in his young career as well. Become a pocket passer and reliable in that way. Make the plays with your arm. Because at the end of the day, they're going to figure out how to shut you down in the run. Or you're going to slow down as a runner because you just get old. Happens to everybody. So find that way to be that, that consistent pocket passer that everybody expects quarterbacks to be now in the National Football League. Tiki Barber, you can hear him on CBS Sports Radio weekdays. You can also follow him on Twitter at Tiki Barber. He is the co-founder of Thusio. You can find them at Thusio.com. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, Tiki, and I'd love to have you on again in the future. Anytime, Brian. You know how to get me. I appreciate chatting with you as well. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. Like the empires of the world unite, we are alive. Hello, my name is Sophia Berger. I want to tell you about the Pixie Project. The Pixie Project matches pets to the right people. The Pixie Project takes pride in finding matches for both people and animals. The Pixie Project also offers low-cost veterinary assistance. My family worked with the Pixie Project to adopt our lovable puppy, Scotty. He's a great addition to our family. So if you get a dog or cat, kitten or puppy, you should go to the Pixie Project. To learn more about the Pixie Project, visit them at www.pixieproject.org. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Rick Buecher. He is a national NBA reporter for the Bleacher Report. He also hosts the Morning Drive in the Bay Area, 95.7 The Game. And he is my partner with Everything is on the Record and on the Sports PR Summit. Rick, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. So uh, let's start off a little talk on the Sports PR Summit. We just had that in New York. Our firm everything is on the record produces that event we had some terrific people there jeremy shop from espn john wartime from sports illustrated i was so impressed that uh, mike bass senior vice president of communications from the nba with all he has on his plate he took time to come join us but we had some really good conversations what were some of your takeaways from the event uh, just how concerned both sides are about the the pressure in terms of time and uh, people wanting to get stories out there, but wanting to get them out there expediently and accurately and how it's a challenge for, for everybody involved. And that it really comes back to 
the thing that we've often talked about, which is, you know, for all the advances in technology and, and, and everything else, that it all comes down to relationships and, uh, and people communicating and that, that that's the heart of what we do and that for all that has changed, that certainly hasn't. Yeah, the relationships and trust, those were like the two buzzwords that I kept hearing throughout the day. I loved your conversation with Jeremy Schapp. What we did with Jeremy is, you know, we could have put a a PR person up there and said, give the five steps to crises PR. But with Jeremy, you talked to him about the other side of the crises. And when he's interviewed Lance Armstrong and Bobby Knight and Manti Teo, and I just found that conversation to be really interesting, especially from how the conversation originates, whether it's through an agent or a PR person, how it's usually through a relationship that yeah. the someone has who's representing the athlete with a, a certain reporter. And you certainly have some great relationships with athletes that you've interviewed over the years, including Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And again, you know, it, it comes down, it comes back to that other word, it's trust. And uh, I, I found it, I, I think the fascinating part for me with Jeremy is that in asking, so what's, you know, what's the ultimate goal from his position? And, and he said, getting the subject in the chair, you know, that, that that's the number one right. thing. Um, but also how he, he tries, what was interesting for me is, is that he tries to maintain uh, objectivity. Uh, he tries to not have any predetermined, agreement as far as what's going to be asked or how it's going to be handled. And yet when he was setting up, when he used the example of Lance Armstrong or he was setting up the Manti Teo interview, there was a lot of conversation that went on. In fact, he was, you know, he was over at Lance's house having a couple, uh, having a beer uh, for, for an interview that ultimately did not happen and how um, even even in situations where there is, there may not be any predetermined agreement on what's going to be asked or what subjects are going to be covered, but nevertheless, there is a relationship and conversation that, uh, that, that, that previews the actual sit down. And so I just don't know that, that, that there, I, I don't know if there is, through objectivity in that in those situations, you know what I'm you know what I mean? Yeah, it it it, 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 it is there there is whether it's spoken or otherwise, there's a certain understanding uh, and and communication that goes on beforehand that allows that type of interview to take place. Yeah, I thought with his Lance Armstrong story too is really interesting. You could have. A subject, Lance Armstrong, and a reporter, Jeremy Schapp, agree to the interview, but then at the last second, a lawyer or an advisor comes in and kills the interview. And that's kind of the unanticipated part of the business that I'm sure makes it really difficult for someone like yourself or Jeremy or even me on this show when you think you have someone in the chair and all of a sudden they're not in the chair anymore. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And that, I mean, that happens probably more times than not. I mean, my experience is over the years that I have usually had a great relationship with the subject or with whoever it is, the athlete, the 
whoever that may be. And it's, it's by and large, it's trying to navigate all the other people that have a vested interest <laughs> that becomes the biggest challenge. And that may not only be on, on, on their side of the equation. It may, it, it may be, it may be on mine as well in terms of who I'm doing it for and what their expectations are. Uh, and, and being able to address what they are expecting from the interview without uh, damaging the, the, uh, the existing relationship. Well, we've gotten rave reviews from the PR executives and the journalists who were at the event. And again, uh, thanks so much for partnering with me on it. And, uh, you know, I just think I always feel good that we're doing something to better the industry every time we have one of these things. And we'll be doing another one uh, next May at the MLB Fan Cave in New York City. Such a great venue. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Coming from the journalistic side of things, uh, I, I do believe that most journalists are a little bit nervous about uh, partnering or reaching a hand across the aisle. Mm-hmm. That that it's you know that that we're supposed to be uh, that the PR people are supposed to be protecting the fortress, and we're supposed to be trying to find a way in. Right, and <laughs> that's a great way to put it. Uh, <laughs> and and that you know, like by saying, hey. Hey, can I come inside your house, or can we talk about how your house is built versus mine, or what's my technique to getting in the? You know, it's like the it's like the burglar and the house owner. And I hate to put us in such a negative light, but uh, for for this analogy, you know, the burglar and the house owner getting together and going, okay, how can we make this a friendly visit? Right. Um, and but but there is, uh, you know, if there's mutual respect, then. I do believe, and I do believe ultimately our job is to, to try to get to the heart of the truth of a story. And what was gratifying is to understand that, that most PR people um, are looking at it the same way. We just want the truth to be told, and we want to find somebody who's going to give it a fair shake. And it's funny how I think a lot of times um, there are other people that may have uh, a vested interest that, that they don't necessarily look at that way, that they are the ones that are looking to perhaps spin the presentation. Uh, and so it was, it, was, uh, it was very edifying to, uh, to go in on that. And I, do, I agree with you 100%. I mean, that's what I love most about both uh, that event and about uh, everything is on the record, which is, you know, we're ultimately trying to uh, improve the, the medium. We're trying to make it better for everybody uh, and, and, and have people be seen in their best light, uh, what, whatever that may be. Well, and I think the key phrase that you used is mutual respect. I think everyone that comes to that event, whether you're a journalist or a PR person, there is a mutual respect. And I love to see the kind of side conversations that take place after the panel discussions. And you can just tell there's a mutual respect and it's good relationship building. And you know, to all you kiddos out there, there's no replacement for face-to-face conversation. You can you know, get on LinkedIn and social media and email and things like that. But every once in a while, there's just no replacement for that face-to-face conversation. I think that helps build the relationship immensely. No, I'm, 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 uh, I have a friend of mine who works in the radio business who uh, is interested, actually, in, in, in jumping over and working for a team. And I'm trying to help him 
uh, have a sit down with Rick Welch, uh, the CEO, uh, president of the uh, of the Golden State Warriors, and it's not a matter of him sitting down and and find you know asking for a job or a job interview as much as uh, my friend I believe has a lot going for him and is it's not not his resume it's just it's his approach and he's looking for a face to face and I'm trying to provide him with a face to face because I just I believe that that ability to sell yourself uh, and to really experience or find out what it is that you want to do and where you want to do it it really isn't a matter of you know going hey hey will you hire me can I get a job will you that, that it's, it's not so much about that. It's, it's finding out who, what do I need to be, what do I need to know, what do I need to learn, and this is who I am and how I approach things, that if, if, if all of that happens, then the hiring and the job and that part of it takes care of itself because there's a, there's a genuine uh, attraction of, hey, you know what? this is the kind of person that we want, or this is where this particular person belongs. And when you do that and you are honest and forthright and, and meet face-to-face, then it, it, that, that may, may or may not be the place for you to work, but that person uh, will help you and direct you to the place that you should be going, even if it's not the place that you may recognize yourself in the moment. Rick Buecher, national NBA reporter for the Bleacher Report, is my guest. You can find him on Twitter at Rick Buecher. All right, let's talk a topic that is uh, near and dear to both of our hearts, especially yours, the NBA. Uh, I've wanted to talk to you about this for a while on the show, is just the whole Donald Sterling, Clippers, Steve Ballmer. It's been well played out through the media, but... I think it worked out as well as it could work out for the NBA with the league ridding themselves of Donald Sterling, getting an owner like Steve Ballmer. Um, You know, you didn't have to have the vote this past Tuesday with the owners where that probably gets made public. I mean, you've got to be, if you're Adam Silver and our friend Mike Bass, you're just going, wow, we really got lucky with how this all played out at the end of the day. And $2 billion. By the way, you're Adam Silver. You're in your first few months on the job. You just sold a team for $2 billion. Your other owners are loving you because you just increased franchise value. Yeah. It, it could not have turned out better for the NBA. There's not a way in which it could have turned out better for the NBA because, as you said, number one, you had a Donald Sterling in your mix who, if it, if it was gonna, this was going to happen eventually. In fact, he was somewhat of an embarrassment as is. It just hadn't come to the light largely. And I asked a lot of people, I was like, why, why didn't the Donald story happen before? Why didn't the, clip, why didn't the, the, the league have to address this before? And they basically said, you know what, because this Clipper sucked. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about what an owner is doing when his team is not front and center. It's just the reality. But now that they had Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, suddenly people were paying attention, and the Clippers aren't going to get bad anytime soon. So suddenly, uh, and this, this was only going to continue to be an eyesore and an embarrassment for the NBA to have someone owning uh, one of their, their franchises. The other part of it is 
that if this had gone into a fight, Donald Sterling, and this is what really scared the other owners, one, he was going to expose that, you know what? He's not the only one with skeletons in his closet. Right. He's not the only owner who has, has done some things that would be embarrassing. In fact, I dare say that if it came down to a real fight, that uh, I'm not sure that they could have found the ground. Uh, it would have been very interesting where this went, because if they were going to expel him from the league, then he was going to, at the very least, he was going to uh, air some dirty laundry that was going to make other loan owners look very bad. And two, may have been able to even cha- challenge the, the idea that what he did was worthy of losing his team when other owners have done certain things that were not deemed worthy of losing their teams. And, I, and I, 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 at, the very, at the very least, the NBA would have had a, a lot of negative publicity that they were going to have to deal with. But then you add the fact that uh, all of the uh, franchise values skyrocket, and on top of that, they don't, and perhaps the most important element all of this is that they did not have to vote him out as a result. Because if they had, and you had that official vote on this behavior, is behavior that costs you your franchise, that would have set a precedent that the other owners ultimately did not want to have. They did not want to have to face the possibility that they could have their 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 franchises wrested away from them based on a certain baseline of behavior, and now you you've avoided that. They didn't have to vote because I'd really be interested to see whether that would be a unanimous vote or not. I know Mark Cuban was already sort of making noise like, "Hey, hey, hey! I don't I don't know that we want to I don't know that we want to establish this because who knows who knows what one of us might do who who knows what one of us might say." In a, in, a, in a private conversation somehow gets recorded and then is exposed, and as a result, now we're in jeopardy of losing our franchise. I mean, quite honestly, if you put any of us, any of us, and our possessions on the line and say, you know what, if you're caught saying something like this, you could lose your house, you could lose your job, you could lose... Uh, your, your most valued possession, might, whatever that might be, I dare say that that should make everyone Because the really, reality is, is that we all say things in private conversation that if, if presented in the light of day and potentially taken out of context, could make us all look very bad depend on, depending on how, how it is spun. Well, mark my words, this won't be the last time this happens with an owner in pro sports. There will be another owner someday caught in a compromising position, whether it's mm. audio, video, or just a still picture. Look at what Jonah Hill was going through this week, if you want to see how this plays out from the celebrity side of things. But not to be lost in all of this, you've got a, a racist dirty old man in Donald Sterling, 81 years old, who purchased the Clippers for $12 million, who walks away with, he's not going to get all the $2 because there's heavy taxes on this, and he's going to have to split it with his soon-to-be ex-wife, Shelly. But, boy, uh, that's a pretty good return on your investment over the course of uh, the last 30 years. 
Yeah, it is. You know, the one other element is the fact that you've got that great return, and, and yet you have been able to cry poor as far as your negotiations with the players is concerned. And on top of it all, the players last we saw were embracing Adam Silver as this tremendous, as a player's commissioner for having dealt with Donald the way that he did. And, and, and as I was watching that unfold, and I'm watching Kevin Johnson have that press conference, I'm thinking, what are you guys doing? You never have leverage. You are always, Adam Silver has beaten you up at the negotiating table every single time. And yes, Adam is taking the appropriate measures. But really, he was taking the only steps that he could take from a PR standpoint. You had to respond to, to Donald in the way that he did. And if you are the players, I'm not embracing Adam and saying, thank you, you're the best. I'm saying, you know what, this is a reflection of, I'm, I'm, taking, I'm using full use of this to say, these are the kind of owners that we're dealing with. And so I, what I'm really going to be interested in is how do the owners go about crying poor again how do they go about finagling uh, or painting a picture that they cannot afford, afford to pay the players the next time around? Because, Brian, you know that they will. You know that they're not right. going to share this windfall with the, <laughs> with the players. They're not going to look at it and say, hey, you know what? Our, uh, our values all treble, and as a result, we want, the, we want your salaries to treble, too. That will not happen. But I'm going to be fascinated to see how they manage to uh, to portray a picture where it should not. No, it'll be interesting to watch. Last thing on the Clippers. So if Steve Ballmer called me in and wanted my advice, which he won't, but if he did, I would tell him to do these three things. Number one, I would say you got to change the name of the team. The L.A. Clippers... I just have never really been down with the name of the team being Clippers. I don't think it's like the Lakers where there's a lot of value in their brand. Number two, I would say you've got to take a serious look at moving to a different venue. They're the third tenant in the Staples Center behind the Lakers and the Kings. They don't get the revenues from the suites and all the other. This is a team that, you know, as you said, they're going to be good for a while maximize that instead of being third tenant in a venue. Does that mean going to another venue in Los Angeles and building? Does it mean going down to Orange County where they flirted with Orange County before? Um, But I guess it was two and a half things. But those are the things I would do. I just think this is a real opportunity to kind of rebrand this franchise, turn the page, put their own mark on things. Do you agree with that? It's an interesting idea, and I hadn't really thought about it, but the fact that Steve Ballmer doesn't have the same attachment to being right in L.A. that Donald did. Donald was always in, in competition with uh, Dr. Boss, right. the late Dr. Jerry Boss. And so it was always, that's why he always resisted the idea of going to Orange County, not because it didn't make financial sense, but essentially because he just didn't like the idea of not being that close to Hollywood. So... Uh, it does open the door for Ballmer to do that. I could, uh, I could fully see the rebranding of it, certainly with a, with, with a new name and a new owner. That makes a, a, a ton of sense. I will say this, though. The one, the one drawback is the fact that the Staples Center and its location 
uh, at L- in LA Live and the draw and the uh, like. I, I don't know what their cut is, if there is any, in terms of the surrounding real estate and what's going on there. Uh, whether whether the Sterling Trust and whether the sale of the team. I mean, was it strictly the team? Do they have any ancillary? Uh, gains from the hotels and the restaurants and all of that surrounding it. I don't think they do. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. And if they don't, I mean, it's a little bit easier, but that's really where the money comes in here. And so I would say, you know, rather than move to Orange County, I mean, if you're really going to, you're going to really make this a bonanza, then I would try to create a second, uh, a second area like that where, I'm not just building, I'm, I'm building a new arena. I am, uh, I'm building up the hotels and the restaurants around it. I'm building and creating a second LA Live. And for those who are saying, hey, look, you can't, you can't have two of those in LA. Right now, people are trying to uh, refurbish the Great Western Forum to make it uh, a, a viable uh, theater again to take the spillover from the, from the Nakia Center or Nakia Theater that is down there by. Uh, Staples Center and LA Live, uh, and 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 take all the attractions. You simply can't make it in there. Why? Why couldn't you build? Why couldn't you create a second place like that? I have to believe with uh, with everything that uh, is in LA. That uh, especially when we're talking about uh, trying to bring the NFL back there. I believe the money and the resources and all of that are there to build a second uh, entertainment center like that and be successful. All right, we've got about five minutes left. I'm going to do a quick hit with you on a few different NBA topics. Okay. What's going to happen with Kevin Love? Uh, I do believe that he will be traded. I would expect that he's going to be traded uh, before the draft. Uh, if not the draft, certainly this summer. I, just, I, don't, I, I think he's played his last game in a Minnesota Timberwolves uniform. And I would not be surprised if he ends up uh, with the Golden State Warriors, I'm, uh, it, it's not not by any stretch a done deal. Uh, I'm not. I don't. I'm, I don't know necessarily without whether I would even say that they're a favorite, but I do know that there's mutual interest. And when I look at his desire to be in the playoffs next year, to move to the West Coast, uh, I would expect. I believe. You know, Chicago is uh, is a viable option, but I, I get the sense that he, he he'd like to have the weather, he'd like to have the West Coast, he'd like to be on a playoff team, and Golden State uh, checks off all the boxes. Derek Fisher, he was not a popular Players Association leader. Why is he going to be a good NBA coach? Why is he such a hot commodity right now? Uh, because Jason Kidd's success, and because there's been a number of uh, other guys. Uh, but I believe more than anything else, it's a reflection of what, where we are with ownership today with, <laughs> with NBA teams. It's a very bizarre place. They want to have name. They want to have name recognition. But, uh, but, but they don't want a coach who's going to tell them how to do things. So how do you do that? Like how do you, who comes in and says, look, this is, this is how I run my system. I want you to get these players for me. They want that name recognition, but they want someone who's going to work for ownership and management. Well, what's the perfect combination? A, a well-known coach, a well-known player 
who uh, has the IQ to be a great coach, yet is inexperienced enough that he can't come in and tell you how to run things. Interesting. NBA draft. Do you keep your pick if you're at the top, or do you trade for a, a proven veteran? Oh, no. I, I With the money involved, uh, getting especially in this draft, and I, I don't know that we're going to have as many franchise players in this draft as people have advertised, but to me, with the salary structure and the rookie salary cap, uh, the fact that you can get talent uh, as inexpensively as you can with the rookie salary scale, it's an absolute no-brainer. You keep the pick and hope you get it right. And the other part is is that you you obviously some of this has to do with where your franchise is on its timeline, but for almost every team, you're given the, the, the hardest thing to get is patience from the media and from your fan base. Well, when you have a young star, they will give you that. When it's an established guy already making a lot of money, uh, there is less patience and less time to make it work. Last thing, NBA Finals, Heat and the Spurs. Who you got? I have the Heat. Uh, excuse me, I have San Antonio in seven. But I, as I've often said, when you pick anybody winning in seven, you basically are guessing. You're saying, you know what, I'm not really convinced that, that my – my choice is going to win. I just am going to lean in this. I have to pick somebody. So if you're convinced, if you're really convinced that you're that, that, that the team that you're picking is going to win the series, then you go six or fewer. So I'm going to say San Antonio, but obviously there are so many variables involved here. Number one, Tony Parker's health that uh, I, I would not be surprised if Miami won. But I'm going to say San Antonio and seven. So I'm going to play both sides of the fence. If Parker doesn't miss a game... I have yeah. the Spurs in five. I, I have not seen <laughs> such fire and determination in Tim Duncan's eyes and such emotion from him in his career. I mean, he's just, he wants this so badly. I think ever since he missed those chippies in game six last year that could have sealed yeah. it for him, he has been on an absolute mission to get back to this point. So as long as Parker doesn't miss a game, I've got the Spurs in five. If Parker misses time, I've got the Heat in six. Interesting. Very interesting. I was uh, picking Tony Parker to be a uh, a bellwether, but perhaps the deciding factor is the way to go because Miami Heat uh, Achilles heel has long been point guard, and if Tony Parker can exploit that, then they can take advantage of it. That nobody has the last couple of years, and that's been the uh, that's been the issue. I just question. I know what Tim Duncan's heart and mind want to do. I just question whether his body has enough. To, to get it done. Well, the X factor to watch, and I thought he had an outstanding finals last year. He's one of the few guards that are guys that can guard LeBron straight up is Kawhi Leonard. That guy has every skill in the tool belt, and I think he really gives LeBron a hard time, not to mention the Spurs team defense that they employ, but uh, you know, it's set up for the Spurs to get this thing done. I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be a great series, and it's hard for me because friends with Coach Spo, so I want him to get another ring, but I also would like to see the Spurs uh, redeem themselves from last year, because they had it. They had that game yeah. six, and they just they blew it, and it was so unspurs-like for them to collapse like they did. Well, what's fascinating for me is that in the polls, everyone outside of Florida wants to see San Antonio win. Right. It's fascinating to me that, because San Antonio hasn't always been that popular. You know, this is, I don't know that this is necessarily everybody embracing San Antonio and everything they represent, or it's simply 
the, you know what, we want anybody except the Miami Heat to win another one. Well, and meanwhile, someone, I can't remember who it was, pointed this out on Twitter the other day. The Heat have the highest, they're number one in the NBA in selling merchandise, the most popular merchandise, but no one outside of Florida wants them to win this series, so try and figure that out. Maybe just everyone in Florida is buying a lot of Heat merchandise, who knows? It is that there's a lot of people around the country buying that merchandise in order to burn it. (laughs) That's something I did not think of. Rick Buecher, (laughs) national NBA reporter for the Bleacher Report. You can listen to him on 95.7 The Game in the mornings. He's on TNT doing sideline reporting. You can find him on Twitter, at Rick Buecher. Rick, always good to talk NBA with you, and great seeing you in person at the Sports PR Summit, and we'll talk again soon. You got it, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We are back to close this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us. Thank you to our guest, Tiki Barber from CBS Sports Radio and the co-founder of Thusio. You can find them online at Thusio.com. Also want to thank my business partner, Rick Buecher. Does a great job covering the NBA for the Bleacher Report. You can find him on Twitter at Rick Buecher. Good to do the Sports PR Summit with him. Again, if you're interested in learning more about what we're doing with the Sports PR Summit, go to SportsPRSummit.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at SportsPRSummit. We're on Instagram at SportsPRSummit as well. A lot of thank yous to our show staff, our executive producer, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Doug Zanger, a podcast reminder. You can catch our show on demand anytime you want. Just go to iTunes and type in Sports Business Radio. Our podcast will come up. You will see that we've done hundreds of episodes of Sports Business Radio. We're in our 10th year. If you're checking out the show for the first time, we appreciate it. You can also find us on apps such as Swell, Stitcher, Tune in radio. There's a lot of places out there where we are. If you just Google Sports Business Radio, you'll find us and you can listen to us on demand in your car, on an airplane, when you're working out, when you're getting ready to go to bed, whatever you want. And uh, we're there for on demand listening. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio.
Hi, it's Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I team with nationally known sports writer and broadcaster Rick Buecher, former Nike PR senior executive Lee Weinstein, and veteran strategic communications executive John Lashway to form media and social media training firm Everything is on the Record. The Everything is on the Record team provides a unique blend of strategic PR and journalism expertise to our clients. We have worked in the trenches in corporate boardrooms with CEOs and company spokespeople. We've also worked in newsrooms alongside editors and reporters. Everything is on the Record uses an innovative and unique approach to media training. Through the use of current media and social media examples, tailored specifically for you, we prepare you for how best to relate to the digital media world that exists today. Whether you're meeting with a reporter, sitting at your home computer, or typing on your smartphone, you're on the record. We'll also put you through real-life scenarios where you'd be dealing with a reporter, so when you see the real thing, you'll be well-prepared and comfortable. With the goal of enhancing your image, protecting your reputation, and helping you connect with the people who are most important to your brand, we will show you how to develop the skills you need to be successful in a world where everyone has a camera, a recorder, and a desire to make news. For more information on our services and to learn more about our team of communications all-stars, go online to everythingisontherecord.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. You can call us today at 503 701 2215.